Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Morning, good afternoon, good evening, Undying Light listeners. We hope you have had a very blessed and joyful Merry Christmas as we are now approaching the new year. Uh, This episode will air just a couple days before the new year. Uh, And I am so thankful that you have taken the opportunity to join us this year and listening to all of the content uh, that we have produced. And by we, I basically mean me and uh, the wonderful guests that I've uh, been able to get on the show this year. They have all uh, helped pave that way and played a uh, a big role in uh, contributing to contributing to the you know, overall show itself. But uh, I am so thankful for you, and I really do hope that as you're listening to this, you have had a wonderful Christmas, and I pray that you have a very blessed New Year as well. Uh, we have a New Year Rantathon uh, coming up. It's kind of become a tradition on the show uh, that at the end of each year, I get together with a panel of people and we just rant and rant and rant about all sorts of stuff. Uh, last year, we wrapped up 2021 with a political Rantathon. Uh, this year, I gathered some confessional Lutherans with me and we ranted on uh, kind of the Protestant church, more or less those that deny uh, the efficacious grace found in the sacraments and uh, have obliterated what it means to be biblical in their worship, uh, and that goes from their divine service structures, the liturgies, the vestments, all that kind of stuff, where they've rejected all of that. So uh, this is not it was you know it's not a stab at you know the the Presbyterians or the Baptists or the Methodists or it's just those out there, especially the big non-denominationals, those churches that just play such a low point on the sacraments. Our engagement was to take that on. And, and of course, you know, being a confessional Lutheran, we, we hold to a very specific construct to what the sacraments mean. And by, you know, our view, if you deny the sacraments, then that, that plays a, that's a deep problem in our view. And, you know, we can get into all sorts of conversations. We've, we've discussed quite a few of them on the series where we went through the sacraments and we talked about how, you know, there's all these conflicting views and they're always denying scripture. 
because they're they're not taking Christ at his word and they're trying to input something into it. They're trying to place a different gospel on it. And Zwingli, I think, does a really takes a really big load on that one. And a lot of churches that follow in his suit, uh, you know, really are in those big non-denominational churches today. And by big, I mean, they could be even small. I mean, we've got churches around here that are non-denominational and they're not mega churches by any measure, but they have such a low view of the sacraments and it's just pep talks and Ted talks and feel good sermons and 10 ways to, you know, get rid of stress and eight ways to un baggage your your life and I mean it's just it's all junk it's all junk theology and you know we re-ranted on quite a bit of it and so uh, I hope you're not triggered but if you are feel free to dm me and uh, I'll try and hopefully help explain you know whatever it is that you're ranting to me about so you know being a confessional Lutheran there are certain aspects that we take very near and dear and that is the sacraments of divine worship Uh, those are two crucial things word and sacrament and, and I, I find it interesting. I just finished a class for my master's today as I record this episode just before New Year's Eve. And actually, this will air on Friday, the day before New Year's Eve. Uh, but I just finished this class. And it's funny because in one of the slides, it talks about how the pastoral position is to administer word and sacrament. And I was like, yes, I agree with that. That is our job. And then in the next slide, it goes, What is the, you know, and then it like further explains the roles of a pastor. And it was like uh, prayer. Okay, I get it. Yes, prayer is crucial. I pray with all my parishioners when I visit them. And and then it goes on to scripture. And it's like, you know, deliver scripture, talk about uh, scripture, explain it. I'm like, okay, I do that too. You know, we, uh, anytime questions arise or if I'm visiting with somebody, we talk about, you know, God's promise and things like that. Okay, I get that. And then the next one was provide spiritual direction. And I was like, wait a minute. Previously, you said, the, the main role, the main focus, and now mind you, this is coming from a Baptist ministry, um, the focus was word and sacrament, but now you're changing it and just saying it's word and spiritual direction. You've removed sacrament. In fact, you don't even talk about sacrament the rest of the slide. And that is dangerous. I That to me is, is in of itself a rant because, again, it downplays the role of the sacrament and it basically it's denying a massive portion of scripture and, uh, and to really harp on it some more before I get into today's topic, uh, I had finished a paper yesterday for another portion of my schooling and I decided to uh, take a, uh, the liturgical calendar and you pick a, uh, passage that's comes from the general epistles, which was my assignment. And you write on a passage that would be in the lectionary and this year in the sixth week of easter of 2023 we will be preaching uh first peter 3 verses 13 through 22 and so i you know i explain the context to talk about what's going on talk a little bit about the dynamics of the you know the early church and all that and then towards the end i said you know some of the more radical views want to uh uh, highlight uh verse 21 where peter says now uh, corresponding to this pointing back to the floodwaters where Noah was saved on the ark. He says, now corresponding to this baptism now saves you. And I, I laid into the fact that I find a lot of churches these days would, you know, and even I, and I've even come across it in the, in the Baptist and Calvinist and reform circles where they will try and say, Peter didn't really mean that baptism saves you. Baptism can't save people. 
and and then they try to provide some humanistic or logical philosophical explanation to it. And I'm like, you're doing exactly what Zwingli did when Luther, you know, crushed him down into a pulp. You're trying to provide human insight because you you can't possibly hold on to the very fact that God can operate within means. And Christ demonstrates all that throughout his ministry where he uses elements and means to convey grace to people. And we see throughout scripture and I, you know, I reiterate this. If you ignore 321, uh, then you got to ignore Acts 238, Mark 16, 16, Ephesians 521. There's text in Colossians. There's text in uh, the gospel accounts of John 3, uh, Matthew uh, throughout, uh, you know, the early baptismal text in Matthew chapter, I believe it's three or four, what we just talked about it on the show a few weeks ago, but you know, where Jesus gets baptized, we, 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 you'd have to deny all of it. You'd have to deny all of the baptismal text. And that's not even covering all of it that I just labeled. I mean, there's many more of them. And so I'm like, you can't just cherry pick our text. And so we, we harped on that show, uh, you know, and, and really drew out what, what does it mean to be confessional Lutheran and how do we stand in opposition? And in fact, you know, the more I find uh, myself sinking into this role and uh, the more I find myself, you know, really saturating myself in this, you know, construct of the Lutheran theology, I find myself disagreeing more and more with the Protestant church. And not to say that it, that's a bad thing, but I, I, I don't agree with certain, you know, uh, pithy quotes and stuff that I see online, or I don't agree with, you know, some of the doctrine. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't consider you brothers and sisters in Christ. I just don't agree with a lot of what's being pushed out by some of these pastors. And, you know, that comes from the John MacArthur camps. It comes from the Paul Washer camps. It comes from the Vody Bacchums even. And I, you know, have always been kind of a, a, a big proponent to Vody. I always liked this stuff, but the more I find it, I, f- you know, I get into it, the more I find that a lot of it is just preaching the law. It's doing these things. It's you, this is the requirements for you. You must be like this if you're going to be a Christian. In reality, we don't see that being demonstrated throughout scripture. We're seeing it as a, you know, as a result of becoming a Christian, like these things will change, but they may not change for everybody or not all of it may change for everybody. Some of it may change. Some of it may be difficult for us, but what we, you know, but what is missing in the Protestant movement is the distinction between law and gospel. And we talked a little bit about that on the Rantathon. So anywho's all that, just to give you a forewarning, it probably will trigger you if you are not a Lutheran. And so I just want to set you up. And I know there are many non-Lutheran listeners to the show. So uh, I'm just giving you a, a slight warning. And again, my DMs are open. If you'd like to discuss anything with me or Connor or even Jacob, um, Connor and I are both uh, ordained pastors. So you can you know, lob anything you want at us, but just remember you're going to be speaking to two confessional Lutherans and we will, you know, we will point you back to the book of Concord or scripture. And, uh, and, and that's where we stand. And by the way, when we uh, stand upon the book of Concord, we acknowledge the fact that it is nothing but an explanation of our beliefs out of scripture. It is not a, continuation or a you know a modification or anything like that it is taking what we believe from scripture and laying it out in a in a form that we can uh, confess our beliefs to so all right so uh it's a little bit of an opening rant for you uh today we're going to look at retaliation and we'll see where that takes us um if you are interested in supporting the show by all means uh we would be blessed to have you 
we are a listener supported show and uh, I don't, you know, I, I, I talk about it a lot basically every Friday, just, Hey, you know, check out Patreon dollar a month, yada, yada, yada. You can get it in the show notes, yada, yada, yada. Um, but in, you know, in all reality, this show can't operate without the love and support of you as a listener. And so we do appreciate you. Yeah. Even if we don't agree with you or you don't agree with us, we still appreciate you and we still love you. And, uh, we, we want to just continue preaching Christ and Christ crucified. And we want to deliver to you the word and sacrament and the promises found in those. So, if you are interested in supporting this ministry, by all means, patreon.com forward slash undying light. And you can catch that link in the show notes or you can DM me for more questions. Uh, you'll get access to all early release shows. This one's a little late just because of Christmas last week. I was just bombarded with life. Um, but you'll get early releases to the shows. You will also have um, Bible studies available to you where we go through verse by verse through, you know, text and the scripture. Right now we're doing the harmony of the gospels. And so we're going through all four gospels verse by verse. And uh, you know, you'll get sermon notes every week. You'll get access to any other projects that I'm working on. And I am going to start writing down uh, some ideas once I'm done with my master's on a couple books that I have in my brain that I'd like to write. And so those things will become available to you as they are, um, as they come to fruition, hopefully, uh, if that is God's will. So all of those perks amongst many other things, chats, discord, all that kind of jazz, secret Santa, fun stuff. Uh, we try to enjoy our time together. So that is that ladies and gentlemen, let's get into Matthew chapter five. Again, we haven't even made it to six yet. We still have uh, another 10 verses to go through. We have retaliation and love your enemies. Um, and I don't think we will make it to chapter six this week, but, uh, you know, we want to take it, you know, uh, slow pace and we want to really spend the time working through the text. And so here's verse 38. Jesus continues preaching. You have heard that it is said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you in the right cheek, Turn to him the other also. So if anyone would sue you, take your tunic and let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go a mile, go with him two miles. Give it to the one who begs from you. And do not refuse one who would borrow from you. All right. So these uh, four verses, five verses right out of the gate uh, can really come across as being heavy in the law, right? It's, uh, you know, if, if somebody strikes you, turn the other cheek. If somebody sues you, give them more than what they are suing you for. If somebody forces you to go a mile, go another mile. Don't give in, or uh, if somebody is begging to you, don't refuse them, but give to them. And so we've got, uh, we got a little bit of, you know, some distinction here to make in this text. And uh, we will hopefully unpack it for you in a right manner. And then we'll, if we have time, which I, we probably, we might, uh, we're going to look at love your enemies as Jesus wraps this portion of his sermon out. Uh, and then chapter six moves on to giving to the needy in the Lord's prayer. So that will probably come in the next couple of weeks uh, as we will spend a considerable amount of time looking at the Lord's prayer. We might even spend a couple of weeks looking at it. So an eye for an eye, this is the law of equal retaliation. It's based in uh, scripture, <clears throat> and it is the attitude deeply rooted in the human heart. Uh, this is the construct of if somebody strikes you, you strike them back. And Jesus goes on to say, but I say to you, do not resist this. Jesus prescribed a totally different attitude to, to his disciples. Uh, one he has practiced, he illustrates the the non-resistance of four examples he has teaching pacifism and 
that governing authorities cannot exert force, as indicated in Luke chapter 3, but is describing the response of someone facing persecution. If you face persecution, turn the other cheek. More of an insult than an attempt to do physical harm. So you, you know, the, the prescription that Jesus is giving is saying this. If you are found to be being persecuted or you are, or somebody strikes you, don't cave in into sin because sin would be an eye for an eye. Don't give in to the temptation to sin, but walk away from it. If you have to, turn the other cheek and let them smack you on the other cheek, but walk away from it. Don't cave into the temptation because you are being aggravated, you're being agitated, you're being forced into this position where a fight is inevitable, you can walk away from it. And I know it's kind of hard for most people today. We want to be haughty and, and you know, and boastful in our, you know, our, our, our position to self-defend ourselves. And, you know, we, you know, a lot of people I know uh, carry firearms, things like that. We always want to, you know, be prepared for a, an attack or somebody uh, willing to do us harm. And the, the goal, and this is something that I'm really trying to instill in my daughter, who's, you know, in school and and, and preschool now is when you are being bullied, when you are facing people who do not like you, it is okay to walk away. You will have, you will, you will get so much more out of life. If you just walk away from a, from a high tension situation. It, you know, if you are being faced with that, I tell her just to turn and walk away. If she hits you, there's this little girl who kind of picks on everybody in the class. I'm like, if she comes up to you and she picks on you, just walk away. You know, you can say, I don't appreciate this. I don't like this. Don't do this. But just walk away. And and she will get her just punishment. And, you know, that's just one of the things that, you know, you got to deal with as a parent. You have to teach your kids how to, you know, one, defend themselves. But two to understand when it is right to turn the other cheek. When is it right to walk away? And I, you know, hope my kids never have to, you know, actually get into a fist fight. I would pray that they don't being a pastor. That's not really what we do. We don't condone violence. And, you know, but the reality that we face is there's, you know, fights that break out in schools all the time. There's bullies, there's people who want to do us harm. And it's just the reality of the world we live in. And so, you know, Jesus here is teaching you that pacifism uh, is is a much more, uh, you know, preferred way to handling the situation. How can you, uh, you know, make the, the high tension, you know, situation be less tensioned, less, you know, heightened and less agitated? So that's really the whole bit to it. Just walk away. It You know, you can turn the other cheek, literally, um, but it's not a manner of, you know, giving in to uh, allowing more abuse. It's don't give in to the sin that's tempting you. The sin that is tempting you is to fight back. It is the sin that is tempting you to commit violence to another person. Walk away from it before something comes of it that you cannot go back from. Um, you know, it's a a movie that... Uh, uh, it's an older movie. It's Con Air, and, and you know it's not necessarily the most PG thirteen movie out there. It's actually rated R, but uh, it's kind of vile and vulgar a little bit. And but it's a Nicolas Cage movie, and I I really enjoy it. And I, at the opening scene, he's uh, an army ranger who comes back from deployment, and he's with his wife, and um, he goes out into 
the parking lot after they are at this you know bar and uh three guys jump him and i i don't remember if it was one or two but he ends up you know killing two of the guys by defending himself and then he's put into jail uh for a couple of years and he has to service you know service time things like that and then he's on this plane yada yada but the whole premise it's like you know could he have could the situation have changed well it wouldn't have made wouldn't have been a movie if it, if he walked away from the fight you know but uh if we place ourselves into a real world situation and that is happening and we uh, are trained to kill people for you know for if you're a military or ex-military or if you uh have taken you know some of the more intricate self-defense classes or you know uh more of the intricate karate or taekwondo or you know, I know there's a whole bunch of different things out there for, you know, personal defense and things like that. You can have the ability in, in one swing or one fatal move to to do permanent harm to somebody. And so we're not here as Christians to advocate violence. We're, we're here to find the most pacifistic move, and that is to walk away. You didn't see, you know, it, it, Christians have have obviously been involved in wars and skirmishes and battles over the centuries, but that's a whole different topic. This is talking, you know, personal one-on-one, you know, context or, you know, small group context. So Jesus goes on to say, if anyone would sue you, take uh, your tunic, let him have your cloak. So very simple. It's just uh, the, if you're being sued for whatever reason, then just uh, give, give more to it. You know, if they take you to court and, uh, they want your cloak, your outer garment, this is an essential piece. Then by all means, give them your, give them your cloak. This is, or if they, if they sue you for your tunic, give them this cloak. Uh, so this is a, a throwback. There's a note here on his, uh, Exodus 22 cloak and pledge shows the high value of garments due to the labor and material required to make them by hand. Uh, each evening out of compassion for the borrower who needed to keep warm at night, the lender should return the cloak used as collateral. This large square outer garment was wrapped around the body and draped over the shoulder, similar to a Roman uh, toga and reached down to the knees. So, that's what the cloak is. That's that outer piece that covers you to keep you warm. So if somebody sues you to take your tunic, hand them your cloak as well. And again, it's another like reality check for the believer. You're, you're, you're telling me now that I can't defend myself in a court of law. Now, obviously, if it's an unlawful suing, then sure, go for it. But if if you're... You know, if this person has some sort of, you know, rightful means to sue you for something you've done, then then you have to pay up for it. Uh, 41 here, if anyone go, forces you to go a mile, go with him two miles. The Roman military forced some civilians to carry baggage. So this is where this could have been referred to. Jesus told his disciples to go that extra mile in serving these foreign soldiers. Obviously, this, again, was another radical perspective. Uh, he's not, you know, coming out explicitly saying, hey, if you're, you know, if you go home tonight and uh, tomorrow morning a Roman soldier comes to your door and tells you you got to carry luggage up to this place and, you know, you're going to be gone. Uh, he's not telling you that. But what he's saying is very, very broad and very generic. He's like, if anyone forces you to go one mile, 
anyone comes to you and says, carry this, go with him two miles. And so it wasn't uncommon for Roman soldiers to use civilians to carry the baggage because they had, you know, their armor and weaponry, things like that to carry. Uh, but Jesus is now saying to go that extra mile and serving them. And, and this would be even a radical position within hostile governments where, you know, we are having to serve those in, in that situation. And that could be in a, a view held, you know, that's kind of a radical view because most Christians want to, you know, live, especially here in the West where we don't experience a whole lot of persecution and we, we want the life where, you know, we can be, we can be obedient and disobedient to our government in the same breath and we can do what we want and we have the freedom, yada, yada, yada. But there are places in the world where Christianity is obviously outlawed and, we have, you know, all sorts of persecution and, and issues over there. And what Jesus is saying is serve those who, who persecute you. Serve those who have come into your country and have taken over. Serve those uh, all around you because that is the premise of the Christian life. And then, of course, at the last verse here, just to give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So, you know, and here's the thing I, I would always venture to offer caution, especially in today's world, be somebody who's of a generous heart, be somebody who has no problems giving to others, be generous and, and do so out of love for, for, for the person. Uh, but you can also have discernment in knowing that there are those who beg for a living and those who are legitimately have problems. Uh, for instance, uh, I have a story when I worked at uh, Parksite, my last company before I became a pastor. I was in Baltimore on a trip, and I was speaking to one of the managers there, and he was talking to me about how just down the road from their office, they have a lady who was uh, would be beg would be begging on the street corners, and she did this every day for for twelve hours a day from sunrise to sunset in the cold, in the snow, in the rain. You know, he she she always was there, and I guess they. Uh, wanted to see what, where she went after she got done begging. And so uh, some people followed her and she gets into a, a uh, like a hundred thousand dollar Mercedes and drives away. And it's like, you are begging money and you're making just a huge chunk of money and you do this for a living. And then you go off in your expensive car that you probably paid cash for. That's to me problematic. Those are the people that exploit a system that, others are misfortuned in um another one i found it actually was a real this guy goes you know you want to make a quick buck just get yourself a santa suit and a red bucket and stand in front of walmart he's like you can make ten thousand in a day i'm like yeah that's fraud <laughs> it's like you're impersonating a red cross you know santa and you're trying you know you're acting like that money's going to go to charity but you're you're defrauding people that's completely and utterly dishonest and uh, that's but that's the sin-filled nature of people that we live with so be discernful obviously always be discernful in all of these situations really take this back to scripture to prayer take this in counsel to others if you have you know, lingering problems that are going on seek uh, time with your pastor the elders uh, other people in your church that can help you don't take this on alone. Christianity is not a lone ranger religion. It is 
uh, as much individualistic as you are the one saved, as much as it is corporate that the church is those who come alongside you in the tough situations or even when you just have questions around how, you know, the godly life of a Christian should, should look. But don't take the advice of people just at face value. Obviously, always look back to Scripture. And don't even take my advice at face value. Look, you know, Examine it under Scripture. You know, am I... Am I harping to you and just telling you to do all these things and, and live in, in this construct of a law that I'm creating for you? Or am I giving you, you know, that these are means and manners to which we ought to live, but we surely can't live to all of them. So all of that, let's move on. We've got a little bit of time left. Let's love your enemies and uh, we'll close out chapter five today. Jesus says, you have heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Again, this is a very close connection to the previous portion and going back to even the one on murdering. So that you may be sons and daughters, uh, so that your sons of your father who is in heaven make his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For it, for if you uh, love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do you... Uh, do even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. Yeah, that's a fun verse. We're going to tackle that one here in a minute. So Jesus gives you this nice little uh, precursor here to love your enemies. Your enemy uh, would be anybody outside of, you know, your 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 current family or your current belief structure uh, neighbor was always considered uh, the fellow Israelite um, neighbors would be considered in the Christian scope. Anybody who believes in Christ and uh, in that Christ died for them and rose for them and forgives them their sins. That would be a neighbor uh, enemy would be considered the, you know, those outside of that faith. But Jesus is saying, don't hate them, love them. Jesus is not command was commanding not so much an emotion but as an action. When you are facing persecution, pray for them. Even when Christ was on the cross and the martyr Stephen did did this, they both prayed, "Father, forgive them for they know not what they do." John Huss says this when he himself was stripped, beaten and blasphemed by the soldiers, scribes, Pharisees, officers and priests. Not even then did he pronounce any mal- malediction, he, but he prayed saying, Father, forgive them. So in all of this, in your persecution, in your time with your enemies, if you face, if you face that, then, then pray for those individuals. Don't, don't, you know, go on and, and try and do sort of, you know, any sort of, you know, fight or anything like that with them. In fact, go back to what Jesus just said and saying, turn the other cheek. So this is all very interconnected. Uh, sometimes it might seem like it's truncated and there's <clears throat> different portions that talk about different things and Jesus changes topics. And no, you know, what we get here is probably uh, the summary, if you would, of a longer context that Jesus was preaching here. And this three chapter sermon was probably, you know, quite a few hours long of a teaching discourse. And so what we're getting are, kind of snippets. And so we don't really, and I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, we don't get kind of that, that nice flow into the next topic, but 
we, we have to understand that, yes, as much as they're truncated, they're all connected as well. So the retaliation is still just as much connected to uh, loving your enemies as it is to taking oaths, as it is to divorce, as it is to lust, as it is to anger, as it is to fulfillment of the law, the light, the salt and the light, the beatitudes. So all of it, you know, plays this intricate role in this sermon. So be sons of your father, sons of God will be like their father, whose nature it is to love the world. And this is recorded in John 3, 16, 1 John 4, 16. Jesus died for God's enemies, Romans 5, 10. And to love one's enemies is to share in God's peacemaking. The rain and the sun on those who are unjust and just. Examples of nature's demonstration that God has mercy on all people. Uh, so if you do these, you know, if you, if you focus only on those who you agree with, what reward do you have? If you only greet those who you love or show love to those who love you, what reward do you have? It's a rhetorical question. Uh, the answer really is none. Uh, even the tax collectors, the Romans, and the local rulers such as Herod Antipas awarded the right to tax collectors and the highest bidder, allowing the t- local tax gatherers to levy a surcharge on taxes they collected. Tax collectors typically abused the practice uh, and were generally considered dishonest, traitorous, and sinners. Yet even they returned love for love. So, verse, let's look at this here really quick in context. Um, When we contemplate the six authoritative teachings of Jesus found in verses 21 through 48, we must agree with what Luther says on this. This is his verdict. At this point, you will discover how hard it is to do good, uh, to do the good works God commands. You will find out that you will be occupied with the practice of this work for the rest of your life. Some people, when confronted with the strictest demands of the law, will winter off a point here and another there. They suggest that we can we can do the best that we can and God will be satisfied. But God demands perfection. Right? That's what Jesus says at the very end here in uh, verse 48. You must be perfect. Therefore, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So God demands perfection. But if God demands perfection, which sinners cannot achieve, this is demonstrated throughout all of Scripture, our perfection can only be found in Christ alone. As God's redeemed people, Jesus declares that we are the salt and the light of the earth. Being in Christ, we have the imputed righteousness of Christ in us. And when we stand before the throne on Judgment Day, we have Christ as our advocate. When we have failed to uphold the law, when we have failed to do all of these good works that Jesus has commanded us to do here in verses 21 through 48, then we can just stand there and say, in Christ, I am perfect. With Christ, I am perfect. That is that is how we handle this whole text, all of it. You can't do these things, but in Christ, you are perfect and you are righteous. In Christ, and only in Christ, will you ever be able to satisfy God's wrath for sin. Because the death and resurrection of Christ was sufficient to cover all of your sins. Now, if you believe that, then you will be saved. If you do not believe that, then I feel sorry for you. Because you will not be saved. Because that's the whole crux to Christianity. Mark 16, 16. 
For those who are baptized and believe will be saved, and those who are not baptized and do not believe will not be saved. It's all throughout Scripture as well, the whole New Testament. The only sin that Christ will not forgive is disbelief. If you do not believe in what Christ has done for you, then you can't be saved. But if you do, then praise God, hallelujah, you have been saved. That's going to wrap up this week's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. I have thoroughly enjoyed working through chapter five. Next week, we'll dig into chapter six and uh, we'll begin uh, probably just looking at giving to the needy. And then we'll probably take a couple of weeks looking at um, the Lord's Prayer. I don't think we'll do it, you know, petition by petition, but we will certainly look at what Luther has to say in a small catechism as we break down the Lord's Prayer. So uh, that's that, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you have a great week. Have a happy new year. Merry Christmas and God bless. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.